Our, our world has a hard time discerning who's blessed and who isn't. When we when we look at our sort of hearts with the right lens, um, we get a better picture of who the blessed are. But truth be told, in in our sort of sinful state. It's really hard uh, for us not to look at uh, people who seem to have it all together and think God has blessed them in a way uh, that I'm not. And if we're truthful and honest about the way we sometimes feel about the haves and the haves not have nots, it's it's difficult for us to reckon recognize and reconcile um, how the world is made. And how things are shaping up. If you do a hashtag blessed search on Twitter, I know that three quarters of you don't know what I just said, but uh, there's a way to search the internet. Hashtag is just the pound sign, uh, but it, you can write blessed. And I, I did that in kind of preparation for just getting a sense of you know why people think they're blessed. Well, someone. Got a new um, Michael Kors bag. I don't know what that is, but they were blessed. Um, somebody got a new car, and apparently somebody gave it to them, and it had a little bow on it. They were blessed. And there was a common sort of running theme. If you get what you want, you're blessed. And it has me thinking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. When we're asked this question, who are the blessed people? We sort of have a obscure lens about how we look at that very word. And what we need to be asking is, is this question. Who is God's favor on? Who does God favor? Who does God care for? Who does God look at and say they are special, and I love them. Now, the Beatitudes have chosen a word, and most translators have chosen the word blessed to communicate uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor. And I would say that maybe the best way to describe that word would actually be God's favor is upon Eugene Peterson, he, he um, trans, transliterated, he tried to make and paraphrase the Bible in a simple language that we would understand. And he translated the entire Bible, and when he got to uh, the Beatitudes, he presented in his first manuscript, he presented, lucky are the poor in spirit. And Zonervan took one look at it and they said, uh-uh, we aren't going there. And I think they knew that they would, their sales would plummet and people would be upset because lucky is just not a very good word. But for him to describe just what's going on in this text, I think he's right. In a world where we would look at these folks and never once think that they are blessed or have it good, we would never say these people are lucky. And Peterson's argument, and I think he's on to something, is that that's the point of the message. The world is flipped upside down. And so, with that sort of introduction, I want to read it, 
I want to explain just a couple of things. And then I, I hope we'll leave challenged today to look at the world in a different lens and that we might look at our own life and say, am I a blessed child in God? And the life that I live as a Christian and what we live in the Christian community, do those folks feel as though they are blessed to be a part of God's kingdom? And so let's, uh, let's dig into our text this morning. We're in Matthew chapter 5. We're told that the disciples ascend up to the mountain and Jesus begins teaching them. And I challenged us at the end of last week's message that there are two, there are two uh, sort of people that go up the mountain with Jesus. There are those that go up the mountain to be disciples who come down followers. Those, there are those who go up the mountain as a crowd and they are simply admirers. And the challenge for us throughout this series is, are we going to be followers of Jesus Christ? Are we going to come down the mountain as disciples? There's something monumental happening in this text that sort of doesn't really meet, uh, meet uh, our eyes at first glance. That is the sort of ongoing narrative of what Jesus is doing, as showing himself as a sort of part of what Moses did. Moses, we know from the book of Exodus, he ascends the mountain and he receives the law. And only, only Moses is allowed, alongside Aaron, to go up onto the mountain or even touch the mountain. And here is a picture of Jesus going up the mountain. And anyone who wants to hear God lay upon their heart the law of God and what it means to live in the kingdom of Christ, they're all invited to ascend the mountain and hear the word. It's with that spirit that I'd hope we would ascend the mountain with Christ this morning and we would turn our ears to what he has to say about our lives and about the world as it is. Jesus begins teaching them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your, your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who, are, who were before you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed, blessed, blessed. This is... Um, this is not a list of the who's who and those who have it all together. This is not a hashtag blessed of people who have brand new cars with a bow on top. This is a sort of ragtag bunch of people. And so there's a question that you have to ask about this text and when you're reading it. The question is, is Jesus saying you have to go and be these things? Or is Jesus doing something different? Is Jesus making an announcement, a proclamation? I'm going to say that it's the latter, that Jesus is making a proclamation over the world to help change our lens. 
that it would be difficult for us to hold up all of the Beatitudes as, some, as an attitude that we have to be. If the sermon, if you get out of today's sermon, I have to go be mournful, then we're missing, I think, the point of the text. What Jesus is communicating is this is not a be attitude as much as he's saying this is hope and salvation for people who find themselves in the most difficult circumstances in the world. And Jesus wants to shed light upon the fact that his kingdom has broken into the world and there is hope for every single one of us. And in fact, we can now say to the people who are meek, you are blessed because you are the ones who inherit the earth. And so to illustrate sort of what I'm saying is a simple thing, trying to be more creative in my preaching, as you noticed. I, uh, last week we played a little basketball. I had Eric take down the clock so that we didn't, you know, throw the basketball at the clock. So I carefully put it back up yes, or, uh, Sunday after everything was over. And I, think, I said, I think it's on there. And I gave it a little tap, tap. And it came plummeting down and it broke. So we have a new clock, guys. If, if like Grandma Marge gave the clock 50 years ago, apologize to her, it's dead. Um, that was a sidetrack. I don't know why I told you all that, other than we have a new clock and I think it's on time. All right. Um, these are size 30-32 skinny men's jeans with a little bit of stretch. Now, if we were to take the Sermon on the Mount and its beginning, and we would hold it up as a set of ideals that we could sort of fit into, it would be like you guys saying, Jordan, this is ideally the pair of pants you should fit into. It would be impossible for all of us to leave the text and say, I have to be meek, I have to be persecuted, I have, to be, uh, I have to be poor in spirit. I have to be all of the above that I might fit what Jesus is saying. Ideally, you know, I would fit into 30, 32. Well, I think it would be debatable if it would be ideal. But uh, I don't think that this is going to happen. Now, I know that I'm not the only one that's ever bought a pair of pants and said, you know, it's going to inspire me to lose weight and I'm going to fit into them. Um, I don't think I don't know that there's enough inspiration in the world to get me into these. Um, I don't know that I it was ever 3032. I I grew up thinking Husky was a name brand. I'd walk into the store, I'd be like, "Mom, where's the Huskies? I like those." True story, guys. True story. So Jesus, I don't think is presenting to us an ideal that we have to fit into. He's making a proclamation about the way the world is. And so when we go through the line of the people and who they are, we start getting a good picture of what Jesus is trying to accomplish. So the poor in spirit, there's a lot of like debate as to who exactly are the poor in spirit. And I think that there's an Old Testament story that actually helps illustrate who those people are. There, uh, in the book of Daniel, at the opening of Daniel, there's a story of Nebuchadnezzar who, uh, with the empire of Babylon, they go in and they decimate 
Jerusalem. They go into the temple. They take out all of the, uh, all of the special religious um, items and symbols, and they take them with them. And so they ransack the temple, but then uh, they also go around recruiting the best and the brightest men, those who have aptitude for learning, who have the sort of natural leadership uh, skills and who are attractive. And so it's basically describing all of us guys, I know. Um, and so we would have all been swept away and our women would have been left behind. So, the, uh, so, so they were all taken for the purpose of these are the leaders, these are the ones that are the influencers, and what we're going to do is Babylonian... Babylonize, I can't say it. Anyways, we're going to turn them into Babylonians. We're going to make them think like us. We're going to teach them these ways. And, and the story goes about, yeah, you, you, you can take all of these things away, but we're not going to eat this food. That's the story that's told in the Bible. But the poor in spirit are those that stay in Jerusalem. The poor in spirit are those who are looked at as inconsequential, not very influential, not very smart, and we can just sort of leave them behind. They are the last kids picked in dodgeball. They're the left out, they're the overlooked, they're the ones that just don't really have a place in the world. If we want to get a sense for who the poor in spirit are, it's those people who are sort of earnestly longing for a place in the world. And I think, I think Jesus is specifically addressing the sort of people that are earnestly longing for God's kingdom to break into the world, but have been left longing for it because they don't really have a place in the world as, as it's been made. And so if you've ever felt that sort of longing to be a part of something, feeling like you're left out, feeling like you're sort of inconsequential in the world, you kind of get the beginning sense of those who are poor in spirit. Jesus says that blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are seeking righteousness. And if you think about the sort of root of folks like that, what they are looking for in the world is for God to get his way. They're looking for God's justice. They're looking for God's peace. God said, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, I, a first-hand experience, being the peacemaker is not really the most blessed position. Sometimes you get beat up on both ends of the <laughs> peacemaking. So Jesus is making a proclamation about something that's breaking into the world. He's saying there is a new way that we should look at the world, and that is that the kingdom of God is upon us. And blessed are those merciful people who are offering the forgiveness of God because they are putting on display the mercy of God that's, that is breaking into the world, that sins are no longer being held against anyone that there is forgiveness in Christ. And so the mercy of God is being made available, and God's mercy is now available for them. They are being shown mercy. 
Blessed are those who are mourning, those who have lost loved ones, those who are hurting and aching, who have an earnest longing for God to restore and make things new. These people are blessed because they are comforted now knowing that Jesus is victorious over death, that there is a new story being written and there is new hope residing in the world and it's breaking in and it's growing by this small sort of seed that's planted that grows and blossoms into a great and mighty tree that many find solace and strength in. Jesus describes the kingdom as a mustard seed planted because it starts out small and it grows mightily. And what Jesus does when He dies and He's buried and He's resurrected is He grows and blossoms a kingdom that all people can be a part of. And all people who have mourned can be comforted if we would come and believe in Him. What Jesus is saying is a proclamation that gives hope to every man, woman, and child in the world. That there is something breaking in and something being done in which we can say there is good news. So Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Blessed, blessed, blessed. Blessed are the meek, those who are humble. You know, it's been my experience that the meek folks really aren't very blessed. The walked on, the used, and the abused. And what Jesus does is He flips everything upside down. And I don't really like talking about it upside down because I think He starts putting things right side up. And He starts saying, this is the way the world is supposed to be. People who understand and discern that it's God's world and that we live under the reign of Christ. It's not about our power. It's not about our posture. It's not about us getting our way. It's about a humble sort of people who trust and seek first the righteousness of God. These folks have been earnestly longing for God to get His day. And what Jesus is saying is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to announce good news to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to announce this good news. That people, people often looked at and looked down upon, stepped over and forgotten. They have a place. And they're mightily important to Christ. So important, in fact, that He would lay down His life for them. I think we can get on board with this. And here's the challenge. I think we can readily accept everything that I just said. Here's the hard part. Are we a community? Are we a church where those people would find a home? Where they would in fact say, hashtag, I'm blessed to be about a part of a church family where if you're mourning, you will be comforted. Where if you have been often forgotten and overlooked, you have a place and you are loved and you are treasured. Paul, he talks about it this way when he talks about it in 1 Corinthians about the body has many parts and we have special parts that give special honor. Like, well, we, we lift up the parts that don't have much honor in the world. 
He's building up that we all have a place. We're all a part of a body of believers. And the challenge is for us to become a group of people where the poor in spirit, where the meek, where, where the meek aren't walked over, but they have a place and they have a voice. And I will confess that sometimes I don't always feel like I live up to that. That sometimes I just want to push through and not listen to every voice and make sure every voice matters and every, every concern and every person knows that they belong, that they have a place. And so the challenge is for us, I think, not to strive after all of those ideals, but for us to be a living community together that bear witness to and announce that Jesus Christ's kingdom is available to them and that they could experience a little bit of what it means to be blessed children in the kingdom of God by what we do together in our life together. And how that happens, I think one is just simply making ourselves aware making ourselves aware to the fact that the kingdom of God is something available. And looking at life through the lens of how can I bless and encourage and love and make sure people in my church family know that they are cared for, they are loved, they are treasured by God. And friends, it's fun to start dreaming about what does that church look like? And I think we get a hold of it. I think we grasp for it. I think we do a great job of recognizing when people are hurting. There are so many generous, loving, and kind people in our church family. And I celebrate the sort of hidden nature in which a lot of it transpires, that we don't need to throw it all over the internet, hashtag blessed. Let's not take that hashtag over. Let's quietly serve. Let's humbly serve. Let's put ourselves in a posture where we understand our place within this family of believers is to listen, is to love, is to serve. Let's continue where we need to and let's be challenged where we aren't that the meek, that the poor in spirit, that those who are mourning, that those who are persecuted would find a church home right here, that we could be a place where the kingdom of God is embraced and displayed and proclaimed each and every day. Friends, let's go and be the church that displays the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for your Son. We thank you that we have a life in you because of the redeeming salvation of Christ Jesus. And God, I'd ask that you would watch over us and guide us as a people. Would you give us a new focus and a new lens in which we look at the world? God, not get caught up in the pressures of what we think blessed people by you look like. By what they have or what freedoms they enjoy or all the things that sort of stir in our heart and the jealousies that lead us away from you. 
God, let us see the world as you see it. God, let us celebrate humility the way you do. Help us to comfort those who are sad. Help us to look at the forgotten and help them to know that they are not forgotten by you. And God, for us, if we're sitting here and listening to your son and his word, help us to to listen and know that if we feel forgotten, if we feel God saddened and mournful over the loss of loved ones, God, if we have um, been showing mercy to people and they've just not really reciprocated, help us to taste and know and experience your mercy and your forgiveness. God, we, we pray for your help in two ways, to heal us and to guide us to help others. Pray, God, that you would guide us as a church to be a people who love one another and display your kingdom in our lives. God, we love you, and we thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. As the worship team comes forward, I, I simply want to offer an invitation an invitation to a life in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is yours. And you have a place in it. You're not forgotten. And this good news is not only for the forgotten and the passed over. The good news is for the long list of people who are never once considered blessed or fortunate or feel like they have a place in the world. The kingdom of God is yours. And in your situation, because you have Christ, you are blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed to have a place in God's kingdom. Let's go be a people where the forgotten, the broken, and the righteous experience the blessed favor of God. Let's stand and sing.